0: Hi, I'm going to label this Tales from the Vienna Woods. I'm taking, I'm going out of order. I'm not, this is not a regular week where I keep to my regular schedule for this Parsha thing, the yard sites because I'm away from all my books and away from everything. I'm leading this tour in Europe and today is Vienna. We're sitting here in an unusually pretty uh, Vienna Woods park and I'm surrounded by palaces and castles and monuments and all that sort of thing. Any of you who have been to Vienna will know what I'm talking about. And it's unusually a beautiful place. And uh, I figured I'd share an idea or two in a very short uh, burst for the listeners. Uh, We were just, oh my goodness, we went all to all these different palaces, and the Hofburg, of course, where the Emperor Franz Josef used to live, and his predecessors, actually the Hofburg, goes back many, many, many centuries, and calls to mind... The Jews and the Habsburgs, because the Habsburgs were the name of the royal family that ruled Austria from the 1200s on uh, down to 1918. The first of them was a real Mamzer. that's Rudolf of Habsburg. He's the one who, who imprisoned uh, the Mam Rottenberg, actually, back in the 1200s uh, and held him for ransom. I'm sure you've all heard the story that the Mam Rottenberg would not allow himself to be ransomed by the Jewish community. There's a din like that, right? that there's a certain limit to pinya otherwise you encourage, Salah, otherwise you encourage the kidnappers to, to, to do more. And because of that, the Maharam Rottenberg died in jail, uh, and was buried in jail, in a dungeon. And the story is that uh, sometime later, a rich, childless Jew, named Siskin Vimfen, with uh, paid he he, pay, he paid off the gayim in the 1200s, to allow the body to be taken out, you know, exhumed, and reinterred in a Jewish cemetery. It's somewhere in Alsace. And uh, I've seen pictures of it, unless it's in Worms. I don't remember exactly where, but uh, his, own, his his request was like this. He'll pay for the whole thing. He wants his chuz to be buried uh, next to the Mount Rottenberg, which which was granted. And if you go there today, or you can, you can even Google this, I'm sure. I'm sure you can Google this. You can see the two graves are side by side, with tombstones. One is the Mount Rotenberg, and the other is Sisk Wimfen. That's the introduction of the Jewish people to the And most of them, this royal family ruled for 600 years, a lot of times they're very bad. But on the other hand, since we're in Austria, that's where I am today, it's all about money. And so the government's always uh, harder for money and and, and, and for money they'll allow the Jews to come in. You know what I'm saying? We Americans are not so used, Baruch Hashem, we're not used to this. We come from a tradition in which human rights. Uh, what did the, what they say the other day? Uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Thomas Jefferson wrote, "All men are created equal, and endowed by the Creator with life, with certain inalienable rights: life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness." That's a human dignity. You have the right to any religion you want. They don't know about that stuff over in Europe. This is crazy. There, you have no rights. You live for my benefit, especially in the old days when it was the nobles and. If you're not of any benefit, you can drop dead. And if you're Jewish, you know, you can drop dead twice. And the only difference is if you have money, and you can help my economy, so then I'll let you be there. Meaning, I'm doing you a chesed by allowing you to do me a favor. That's what Vienna is. That's what Central Europe is. That's what the Gauls in Europe certainly was. And uh, if you're not sensitized, then you walk around and you say, Vienna's a beautiful place, which it is. My goodness, it's very pretty. But if you have a little bit of knowledge of the Jewish past, then you understand it's a rotten ship, <laughs> right? And I think you can tell the Austrians aren't overtly anti-Semitic, but they're <laughs> covertly anti-Semitic. Uh, but having said that, I doubt this morning like a Hasidic show. the Jews are moving back to Vienna for better or worse. But I'll tell you something interesting. The mezuzahs are indented into the wall. You know, they don't stick out like in America. And I'm sure it's because they'll be bothered by people walking by they'll tear it out or, or desecrate it somehow or other so that's the uh, what shall I say the visual manifestation of the paradox that you have a good life but you're afraid somebody will rip out your mezuzah meaning you're living on a volcano but uh, who knows maybe in America we're living, I hope not but in America you we'll also be living on a volcano here you kind of feel it so here we are my group I have a group of 40 people there having lunch in a beautiful urban park my goodness everything's very really pretty a little while ago we went to the palaces of the emperors and you saw where Maria Theresa was and Leopold I, and all famous names from Jewish history. Not only Austrian history, Jewish history. Maria Theresa was the empress at the time of Noda Yehuda, for example. You should see the Hesper that he gave her. It's been reprinted. It's translated and printed in English. He praised her like the, I don't know what, you know, she's a Malach, Even though she wasn't to the Jews. And many historians have written about this because even though he had to do it had to kiss up because you have to uh, flatter the government but he went above and beyond the call of duty shall we say and that means the Jews themselves had to discover virtues or were found and convenience to discover virtues even in sovereigns that were not friendly to them it's a very weird kind of uh, notion because uh, he's a great gadolin we're talking about but you see they sort of uh, you know rolled with the punch and went along with the ball and at the end of the day they followed the old old Jewish um, idea, which is that a, a bad government is better than no government. You understand? As long as they allow the Jews to live, even if it's under difficult circumstances, and as long as they provide for safety and you know, law and order and that kind of thing, which we cannot ever take for granted, then it's better than a, a, a no government. Of course, Austria is also the place where Hitler came, and you kind of smell it (laughs) still here a little bit as well. But fortunately we have a Jewish guide and so I don't have to worry about that kind of business. Uh, We recently were in what they call the Heldenplatz which is the central plaza of the famous Austrian generals. They're war heroes. Well, there aren't any. (laughs) Austria lost most of their wars. I know the Austrian military history better than anybody. You know, They lost 98% of their battles. But they won 2% of their battles and those two generals... Prince Eugene of Savoy and the Archduke Charles are, are in that uh, uh, which I put house. A little bit like the Orioles, you know. I don't know much about sports, but I know the Orioles don't have a great record. And that's kind of the Austrian Army. <coughs> Excuse me. And as long as uh, the emperors were around, uh, the empire managed to stay uh, intact. Uh, you know, in other words, uh, even though they lost a lot of battles, the the realm was uh, still functioning. And that meant that the Jews found there, uh, you know, kind of a law and order. And that's what they depend on more than anything else, even though it was accompanied by special taxes and all kinds of xeras. And these terrible laws, including the worst of the laws, which are called the family laws, which means only one kid can get married. I think I spoke about the other day in, in Prague. Uh, the last time I spoke to you was a couple days ago when I was sitting on the street in Prague. Today I'm sitting in the woods in, in uh, Vienna. Uh, in between, which is yesterday, Wednesday... We uh, did something quite interesting, uh, something I was planning to do. And we stopped in two places that nobody ever goes to, I don't think. One is Nicholsburg and the other one is Eisenstadt. Nicholsburg was the capital of Moravia. Most of you probably have no idea what I'm talking about when I say Moravia. The Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia, Czech Republic as we call it today, has two, two states. America has 50 states, they have two states. One is Bohemia and the other one is Moravia. And the Jewish communities long ago in Moravia were organized into 52 communities and they had like an equivalent of the Vada Aborazos and they ruled themselves uh, under government uh, supervision of course and they made all kind of takonas and they had yeshivas and where I was in Nicholsburg which is a small very pretty very pretty small town in the hills is like a a, a, it is is actually a resort that was a thriving Jewish community once upon a time you walk the streets over there And it's a small, I'll tell you again, it's a small place with like, it looks like an enchanted wonderland, you know, with with a, with a make-believe town center with a, you know, fountain and the statues of this Christian figure and that one. And it's kind of funny over there because not that long ago, 200 years ago, we had yeshivas of four and 500 boys walking around this little town. I asked myself, how did you have the logistics over here? Nicholsburg? again, I'm sure you never even heard of it. Which they call now in Czech Mikulov, Nicholsburg, uh, who had uh, the Panameiras, uh, the, the, the Tzemach Tzedek, uh, of course, uh, the Rabbi Shmelkov of Nicholsburg, you may have heard of him, uh, and rabbi Mordechai Benet. Famous names. These are great Gedolom, yesteryear, who once upon a time functioned as the chief rabbi of the whole province, which is a large area, and therefore all, all the community sent their best and brightest to the central yeshiva in Nicholsburg. So it's hard to imagine that in this small town like in the time of Mordecai Benet who died in 1829 uh, you know, uh, 400 boys are living there running around the small area of the Jewish community in other words, the yeshiva and the Torah is saturating everywhere because of the logistics it's not like Baltimore, or New York we have a large area and you know uh, <laughs> you have millions, literally millions of people and then if there was a couple hundred Orthodox Jews belonging to a Talmud Institute you wouldn't even notice it this town, it stands out. Uh, Nicholsburg, by the way, for your information, was also the headquarters of samson Rayville hirsch which is a part of the life of Hirsch that no people don't have any idea about. Part of his career before he went to Frankfurt was he was a rabbi in Nicholsburg all the way away from Germany and Moravia. He was the chief rabbi of the whole province. And it did not work out. He had a miserable time. He was there for four years. And even though he officially had all these powers and all this sort of thing, which he did, under the government but believe you me it did not work out a friend of mine wrote a book on the whole subject and uh, that's why he was more than willing to drop the official position of chief rabbi of the whole country and just take a small show in Frankfurt uh, because he said there he'll be able to do what he wants to do which is something he can't do in Moravia it's, a, it's just very very found it interesting and afterwards we went to Eisenstadt which is already crossing the border into Austria Isenschad is actually on the border between Austria and Hungary. Once upon a time it belonged to Hungary Now now belongs to Austria. You know how it works in this part of the world. The border has changed every war or two. And uh, Isenschad was, again, with the Pana Meiras was there. Uh, you know, famous uh, names. Uh, I want to tell you something interesting. They have, a, in all these places, they have cemeteries of all these great Gedolim. I'm a Kohen, and when I do my tours, I never factor in the go-to graves. That's not who I am. I can't go myself. And I'm not denying anybody else the an opportunity to go there, but it's not something I put in to say, we'll go to this town in order to be Miss Palel at the, the cover of so-and-so and such-and-such. But this tour, willy-nilly, without me realizing it, or maybe I should have, is turning into a Kavarim tour to some extent because they're all here. How can you pass up the opportunity to Daven by the Nod by the Maral, by the Kliyakar, by the Panameiras, by the Menachem and the Krochma, by Mordechai Bennett. I mean, big, big names. And I want to tell you something. We went to Eisenstadt, which I really went to to lead them there, mainly to talk about Shimson Wurtheimer, the uh, court Jew, who was an extraordinary figure in the time of uh, the uh, early 1700s. At that time, the Jews used to run all the armies on the financial side, the logistics side. That's a, I don't have time to go into that now. And... Uh, and also talk about Rabbi Israel Holzheimer who was there for about 18-20 years who set up the first YU. I I don't know if you know this or not Rabbi Israel Holzheimer was a rabbi it was a Yeki he was a rabbi in, in this uh, place on in, in the Hungarian border Eisenstadt and he himself was the Y and he himself was the U uh, like I say now's not the time to go it, because in the middle of the woods with a whole group but uh, it's unbelievable he taught all the English subjects, he taught all the Hebrew subjects he was a Godel he was a gone. But he also had a Ph.D., and he taught Latin and Greek and, and mathematics and physics and biology and who knows what. And you got a B.A. The government recognized it as a real uh, college. So uh, that's the part I wanted to show him. But the lady didn't say like this. Of course, you want to see the, the, the cemetery here. I said, OK, uh, I'm not going because I'm a coin, but my group will go. And so they all went in because uh, Ramey Eisenstadt is buried in the Panamiras. Charles was Panamiras, one of the great gadillam of the past. And uh, they showed me when they came back, uh, apparently his grave was re- was fixed up or something like that. Because there's a big metal plaque there that they sent me on the WhatsApp. And it says, the is, uh plaque here, was the- this grave was uh, just been redone um, at the expense of the United States government, thanks to Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump. Uh, you know, words to that effect. Which, like, blew me away. What, how the heck does Trump come to the, to the Shipputzim repairing the grave of Rameir Eisenstadt, the Panamiras. That, my friends, is something I think you'll have to look up on your own uh, online. I don't have the time to do it. But uh, that's one I don't remember seeing in the papers. Maybe you do. So if you're a pro-Trump or you're anti-Trump, that'll give you something to argue about this coming Shabbos. Right now I have to get back to my group, but I figure i would just give you a little bit of a, a traveler's report as I go through these places, saturated in Jewish history as well as non-Jewish history. We're interested mainly, of course, in the Jewish history part. Mir after Shabbos, we're going to Budapest, and then we're flying back to America, and then I hope to get back to my regular schedule. That's all for now. For sponsorship opportunities, or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at ww.dot